From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. As research continues into appropriate therapies to treat COVID-19, there are currently three experimental treatments which have shown some promising results so far in clinical trials. In hospitalised patients, the recommended drugs are currently dexamethasone, remdesivir and tocilizumab. But there's concern in Australia in regards to us being able to access these therapies as the pandemic continues, with our medicine manufacturing capabilities severely lagging behind the rest of the world. This episode, we're joined by Associate Professor Niall Wheat from the Pharmacy School at the University of Sydney to talk about the vulnerabilities in our medicines manufacturing system and the supply issues putting us all at risk. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on. And can I just congratulate you on your pronunciation of tocilizumab? I have to give that credit all to our clinical reporters who write for our rheumatology magazine. Without having them on this podcast, I don't think I would have nailed that one. (laughs) So to begin, could you tell us a little bit about these three recommended drugs for hospitalised COVID patients at the moment? Certainly. So um, like you pointed out, there are three drugs that we kind of recommend now for the treatment of COVID for patients that have been hospitalised. So the first one's dexamethasone, and it's a corticosteroid, which is kind of like a synthetic hormone. And we've been using this drug for decades to treat inflammation. Um, And one of the big problems with COVID is it's not so much the virus that causes the problem, it's the body's reaction to the virus. And um, when the body's fighting the infection, it creates a lot of inflammation on the lungs. And we found that dexamethasone is good at relieving that inflammation so patients can breathe a bit easier. The second drug is remdesivir, which is an antiviral drug, which is really about treating the virus itself. And that's used to stop the virus replication so it can't continually grow in the body and make you sicker and sicker. The last one, the tozeluzumab, is actually a monoclonal antibody drug, which is a very fancy term for basically a protein. Uh, We use it normally for rheumatoid arthritis, but we've found that similar to dexamethasone, it's very good at treating the inflammation that's caused by COVID-19. And so where is Australia currently sourcing these drugs from? So that's a very good question. So it turns out that Australia doesn't know where it gets a lot of its drugs. The, The lead agency for medicines in Australia is called the Therapeutic Goods Administration, and it doesn't require Australia Uh, sorry, Australian companies to state where they're sourcing their drugs from. So it could be a drug comes from within Australia or it could come from overseas. Now, we do know that the tocilizumab and the remdesivir are both manufactured overseas. We know that dexamethasone, the active ingredient, that's not manufactured in Australia. And we think there's one company, Pfizer, that does make the drug here in Australia. But almost all of our supply is from overseas. Why does the TGA not recommend that companies actually disclose where they're sourcing all of these drugs from? So you've got to look at the role of the TGA. And the TGA is really there to do two things, to ensure that medicines are safe and ensure medicines are effective. How they're supplied is really kind of out of their remit. It's really more about the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade that's um, involved in that area. So the TGA doesn't ask for its manufacturers simply because as long as they're safe and as long as they're effective, they don't really care where they come from, which opens us up to obviously lots of problems with potential supply because when a manufacturer is going to have a supply issue with a drug, they're required to tell the TGA that that's going to happen, but then the TGA can't really do anything about that. 
And so our manufacturing capabilities are already under scrutiny, mainly around vaccine manufacturing, with many crying out that we need to be able to manufacture mRNA vaccines on Australian soil to be able to ensure a steady vaccination supply as the pandemic continues. This issue is that, you know, Australia is being held at the moment to the capabilities of offshore facilities and international supply delays. Is this the same risk we face in terms of access to appropriate COVID therapies? Absolutely, absolutely. We are wholly dependent for a lot of the critical medicines that we need. So we're talking antiviral drugs for AIDS. We're talking drugs for chemotherapy for cancer. Um, Everything of real substance comes from overseas. And we're an island nation, which means everything has to get here in one of two ways. They either have to come in by aircraft and the federal government since the outbreak of COVID-19 has limited the number of aircraft that are allowed to come into Australia, whether that's with passengers or if they're purely freight aircraft, or it has to come via sea and a lot of shipping comes through Southeast Asia. And we know um, Southeast Asia is not always the most stable region. And with our current um, relationship with China, it's a little bit more unstable as well. So it wouldn't take a lot to cut the supply lines of medicines into Australia. The other problem is that a lot of the big medicines that we use, the generics, the paracetamols, ibuprofens, the everyday medicines, tend to be made by very few companies in very select um, countries. So, for instance, that one of the biggest generics manufacturers, Teva Pharmaceuticals, which is based in Israel, and we get a lot of medicines from Teva. Um, if there is some sort of issue in Israel where manufacturer is stopped, um, we would not be able to get drugs into the country, whether the supply lines are open or not. And we already saw similar constraints to the supply chain, particularly when India was under grips of Delta a few weeks ago. I believe that it's gotten a little bit better. And that was a problem both with importing medical devices and also pharmaceutical products, I believe. Yes, that's true. So we used to do a lot of manufacturing in Australia of medicines. We were, we were quite a world leader for a good amount of time. Um, but a lot of our smaller companies got bought out by multinational pharmaceutical companies who are all trying to reduce their costs. And the best way to reduce costs when it comes to medicine is to reduce your labour costs. So what we find now is a lot of medicines are made in countries that have much lower labour costs, like India and China. While the outsourcing of labour seems like a very clear reason of why a lot of it's gone offshore, and, you know, we see this in a lot of industries, it's not just limited to pharmaceuticals, you know, we've seen it in the car industry, we've seen it in the fashion industry in Australia, it all seems like it's just too expensive to manufacture on Australian soil. But there is money to be had in the pharmaceutical market and it also makes more sense now as we're facing a pandemic to be able to have these capacities in our own country. So why do you think Australia remains so far behind in this market? Isn't the Australian market the most vulnerable in the whole of the OECD nations? Yeah, how is this the case when we're so heavily involved, particularly in drug research, for example? So it's an interesting premise you put forward in that we're not manufacturing here because the medicines become too expensive. And I wouldn't argue that they're too expensive if we have to use Australian labour. The problem is we can't maximise profit. Again, look at Teva Pharmaceuticals in Israel. Israel is an, an economically developed country. They have the same type of wages that Australia has, and they can turn a very nice profit from making medicines. So it's simply because 
the pharmaceutical companies can't make more money in Australia than they could by making the medicines elsewhere. And this is where the federal government could really step in because there's an opportunity here for us. Uh, we have a very strong primary industry focus in Australia. So agriculture, mining, we're very, very good at. Um, and we've tended to drop the ball in the last couple of decades on being a technologically advanced country. We're letting a lot of those things go. And I think there's an opportunity here for us to get back in front. We could invest in medicines manufacturer, medicines design here, because as you said, we have a lot of fantastic universities with really smart researchers who are designing world-leading drugs. We've got spray-on skin that's come invented in Australia. We have the Gardasil vaccine for against cervical cancer developed in Australia. We have the intellectual capacity. What we don't have is the will to capitalise on that. And I think if we saw more backing from government, we could invest in medicines manufacturer um, to make this country a better place. And this is an opportunity not just to shore up our supplies and make sure we've got the medicines we've got, but we could become a real powerhouse. We could get an economic boost from producing these medicines. But there's an opportunity here to create very high-tech jobs. We're, we're looking at the government supporting coal industry mostly to prop up jobs in regional towns. Maybe we could replace coal jobs with medicines manufacturing jobs in those same towns and fix climate issues while we're solving supply issues for medicines. So what do you see as the biggest barriers in terms of getting to that point where we can get domestic manufacturing off the ground properly in Australia? So there's a couple of factors. And the first is it takes a lot of money to build a factory to hire the workers you need to start making medicines in Australia. And we simply don't have the background in raising venture capital funds. If you develop a new drug or a new medical technology, I usually have to go overseas to places like America to raise the money, the vast sums of money that you need to get this off the ground. And we, we don't have the attitude of investing in medical research in Australia that we need to. The second part is the TGA itself. So the TGA is very risk averse. Like I said, they want to make sure all medicines are effective and safe, which means there are a lot of hoops you've got to jump through with the TGA to be able to get a facility off the ground. Uh, if, even if you ask the TGA, they say the minimum time it takes for you to get approval to get a factory up and running is 12 months. And if you don't have all your ducks lined up, it can take even longer than that. Is that what leaves us with this situation where an already established facility, for example, I'm thinking the CSL vaccine manufacturing facilities which receive government funding kind of become the cornerstone of what we see as our manufacturing capabilities? Yeah. Um, so CSL is an absolute powerhouse and it actually used to be owned by the government. It used to be called Commonwealth Serum Laboratories and it was a government organisation that only got spun out in the 1990s. But CSL is a very good example of if you've already got the manufacturing base there, it's not hard to pivot to then take on opportunities to address issues like COVID-19. And it's where you don't have that factory to start with. Um, you can't pivot from nothing. And what we're seeing now is factories being shut down rather than opened up, even during COVID. Uh, there was a, a, a large multinational corporation called GSK who manufactured had a manufacturing site in North Sydney and they shut it down last year and they have another plan to shut a second site in Sydney later this year. And this is during a, a, a global pandemic crisis when you'd think there would be opportunities for producing medicines. And in that situation, if you happen to know the answer, is GSK just taking that same capacity offshore to elsewhere? 
Uh, that's my understanding, yes. So uh, the, the site, the first site that they closed last year was a paracetamol manufacturing facility. And obviously there's a lot of demand in Australia for paracetamol. It's one of the most used drugs out of all of them that we take. Um, and it's simply high labour costs. So they could do it cheaper overseas. Where does that leave us in terms of Australia being a competitive health power as we face a pandemic that we may have thought 18 months ago was going to come to a natural end, but now we're really seeing with the emergence of these new variants that we are possibly years away from seeing that natural conclusion? Australia is an, has tremendous power when it comes to health. We have, I, I consider, one of the best healthcare systems in the world. It's a perfect balance between public and private, but what we don't do very well is the support mechanisms behind that. So we're very good at training doctors, nurses, pharmacists. We're very good at building hospitals and, and running them. But it's those little things, the medical technology, the medicines behind it, where we're, we're losing steam. And what we're going to find, I think, in the future is because drugs are getting more and more expensive. Um, our healthcare costs are going to go up. That's going to put pressure on us. And I think we might stop becoming a health power simply because of the cost of the medicines and the technology that we're bringing in from overseas rather than developing them ourselves in-house. Associate Professor Wheat, thank you so much for joining the program. Thank you for having me on. Before we go, don't forget that you can follow or subscribe to The Tea Room right now by searching for the show on the podcast player of your choice. You'll then be notified when a new episode becomes available. Catch you next time.